know what that sound means. It's another exciting installment of the Van Brawl Seasons Podcast, where we talk local sports, both the Atlanta Pro franchises, like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in, guys. It's another exciting episode about to start right now. What up, Podcast Land? This is your host, Jam and Joe, of the Fan for All Seasons podcast. And on this week's episode, we're going to talk a little bit of everything. We're going to talk a little Atlanta Hawks basketball, as well as some Atlanta Rays baseball, and round out the show with some University of Georgia Bulldog baseball, as well as we've got the Dogs getting ready for another tough three-game series in the SEC, and I'll get into more college baseball here in a minute. So, but before we get into the sports conversation and before we get a word from our sponsor i do have a couple things to say so the first thing i want to tell you guys is this episode this week is our 179th episode as a podcast we'll be doing episode 180 next week i am very much excited about next week's episode i'm working on getting a guest or two i'm i'm pretty excited about what we have in store for next week it should be a lot of fun so that's something for you fan for all season fans to keep in mind and the other thing tonight I want to give a special happy birthday shout out. The guy who put this idea in my head to start a podcast, my co-host, he's like my backbone with the pod. He is the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. RG3. So RG3, hope you're enjoying your birthday and we look forward to having you on the show again very soon to talk some shop and all that stuff. So again, big milestone episode coming up next week, 180 for, for the old podcast here and a happy birthday shout out to my guy RG3. So as I was saying, it's time to get a word from our sponsor. And Fan for All Seasons is brought to you in part by Georgia Smoke Barbecue, authentic original smoked barbecue catering. You can learn more at georgiasmoke.com. And so we're going to get things going, guys. We're going to talk a little Atlanta Hawks playoff basketball first. And so this is kind of where the Hawks find themselves. So they're currently down 0-2 to the Miami Heat. So they're currently down 0-2 to the Miami Heat. The Heat are the number one seed. The Hawks had to fight like heck to become the A seed in the play-in tournament. And they did. But these first two games in Miami have been tough. So game one, I'll give the Hawks a little bit of a pass. And so they had played, so they had beaten Charlotte at home on Wednesday. And they had to go to Cleveland on Friday and beat them. And they did. And so game one, we looked kind of flat. I mean, you could tell the Hawks had played two games earlier that week. I'm not making excuses for NBA travel and the Hawks put themselves in that situation. But I can understand why game one was as bad as it was. As far as game two, they were a there was a lot of frustrating points, particularly the officiating. I'm not really one to really criticize refs on here, but the officiating in game two was not up to par with what I think an NBA playoff game should be. I mean, they missed some obvious calls and I'm not going to go into that because I don't want to go down the making excuses rabbit hole, but the officiating in game two was not very good. Kyle Lowry, I am, I am not a big fan of Kyle Lowry one bit. And so hopefully the Hawks can find a way to to really kind of limit him. I know he's been kind of under Trey's skin. I really expect Trey to bounce back in game three tomorrow night in Atlanta. And I'm going to get into some major role guys as well. The two major role guys who I think are really going to thrive with the game being back in Atlanta are DeAndre Hunter and Bogey Bogdanovich. I look at those two as, as very key cogs to helping Trey Young and the Hawks get back into this series. 
particularly Hunter, there were some bright moments from him in game two where, where we saw DeAndre Hunter assert himself offensively. He looked aggressive and he did a really good job of, of playing defense against these tough Miami wings. I know Jimmy Butler went off for like 44 points and is the only Miami Heat player other than Dwayne Wade to have over 40 points and to not have a foul called against you, which was crazy. So I look for DeAndre Hunter to keep asserting himself offensively and keep being that key cog for the Hawks, not only on the offensive side of the ball, but the defensive side of the ball as well. And then you look at Bogey, or as I have here, Bogey being Bogey. So the Hawks sharpshooter. He scored 29 points off the bench. He's really been thriving in this role, guys, off the bench. He kind of re- will remind Hawk fans of days gone by of the Jamal Crawford days. I'm not saying in the respect of where Bogey's got the ability to get to the rim and play make like Jamal, but his ability to hit big shots, his ability to be clutch and be poised and not be afraid of the big moment, that's where I think a Bogey Bogdanovich really seems to thrive, and I'm loving him in this six-man spot. So I think Bogey and DeAndre Hunter are the two main key cogs, along with Trey Young, to get the Hawks back on track. I want to talk about John Collins for a minute, y'all. And so, John Collins finished the game with a double-double in game two. He had 13 points and 10 boards, which honestly, I mean, if you guys haven't seen the picture of John Collins' finger, it it is in pretty bad shape. So the fact that he's giving it a go and playing playing with the finger is really impressive. I'm really, really proud of John. This really shows the kind of heart and leadership that he has for this team. And John Collins is, is the type of guy who's going to give you everything he's got. He's, he's an extremely vocal leader for this Hawks team. And I really think the Hawks desperately missed him. And just having his presence on the court was really beneficial in game two. And he gave you all he had. I mean, he had 13 points and 10 boards, which for not playing in a while, like John has, I think he's going to thrive tomorrow night as well in game three. I look for Mr. Collins to get back to playing good basketball. The Hawks, and as I've said, guys, on this pod numerous times whenever we talk about John Collins, to me, guys, John Collins is the heart and soul of this team. Trey is the energy and the straw that stirs the drink. But if you look at like the heartbeat and the soul that is Atlanta, that is the Hawks. John Collins was here from the beginning with Travis Schlink, and I just think that he's really developed into a real leader. And to me, like I said, I mean, he's the heart and soul of this team for the Hawks. Some big keys going into tomorrow night that I that have stood out to me. So the Hawks finished game two with 15 turnovers. I wasn't super excited about that. And so 10 of those came from Trey. I know he's going to have the ball in his hand a good bit. And so things like that will happen from time to time. But if they can cut that turnover volume in half against Miami, then that's then that is a big key to success for the Atlanta Hawks tomorrow night and Sunday night against the Miami Heat. So my other keys to victory as far as the Hawks, home cooking, valuing the ball on offense, and ball movement. If the Hawks can do that, if they can do those things, then I don't know about y'all, but I don't see why not the Hawks can't get back in this series. And another thing for you guys to think about, with the games coming back to Atlanta, what what is when you think about the first two games in Miami. You, you think about Max Struess and you think about Duncan Robinson. Got role guys like that really seem to thrive at home. And so I really look for like a Kevin Herter or a DeLon Wright or guys like that who 
who, who I consider role guys. I mean, they're, they're key parts of the team, but, but I just consider them, you know, role guys. And so I really think role guys thrive at home in the playoffs. That's just how it is in the NBA. That's how it's always been. That's how it always will be. So I look for the Hawks to get right tomorrow night, make it 2-1, and then we'll see what happens Sunday night. So that's going to kind of wrap it up for our Atlanta Hawks part of the show. But now we're going to jump to some Atlanta Braves baseball. So the Braves finally have a day off today, it being Thursday, April 21st, 2022. After playing, their, after playing 14 games in 14 days, which is just crazy to me. So this most recent stretch, y'all, the Braves split a four-game series in San Diego, which honestly, I'm not too disappointed with. Like the four-game excuse me the four game series itself is definitely strange and weird and i'm honestly not a big fan of it i wish it was just you know the typical three game series like it seems like all the other series are but every now and again you get an unusual four gamer uh but that's neither here nor there but anyway i'm not too disappointed with the braves splitting the four games in san diego and from what we've seen in the padres last week then this san diego team is is a talented group you know we saw you darvish pitch sunday night he did a really good job you look at manny machado over at third I mean, the Padres got pieces, and Tatis isn't even back yet. So the Padres, I think, can be a real factor in the NL West. And then we jump over to the Dodgers series. The Dodgers series had much anticipation with having to face our old friend, Freddie Freeman, which is still really weird to me, y'all, seeing Freddie in Dodger blue. It's so bizarre. Like, the fact that Freddie hit his first home run of the year against the Braves off Las Carinoa was just really weird. I know everybody said it was, like, you know, something out of Hollywood, and I guess. But still, just hearing the let's go Freddie chants in LA and seeing him in Dodger blue over at first base, not seeing him with the Braves was definitely weird. I think it'll be even weirder when he comes to Atlanta here in a couple months in June when he and the rest of the Dodgers come through. So Max Freed, I want to talk about him Tuesday night. He pitched on the 19th of April. And so Max pitched seven innings. He allowed two hits. He had eight strikeouts and no walks. And so from Max Freed, he's a California kid. The Dodgers were his childhood team growing up. He finally had a really good start against the LA Dodgers. The Dodgers have always kind of been tough on him and he's always kind of had bad luck in LA but I was really proud to watch Max Tuesday night. I stayed up through I want to say the fourth inning and Max Freed was locked in y'all. I mean like I just said I read off his stat. You know, he had eight strikeouts. He had two singles and he had no walks. He pitched seven innings. Like Max Freed, I, I know people still don't really view him. The national media and stuff like that. I know they still don't really view him as like a big time ace. I mean, and not that I'm like begging to get the national media's approval on Max Freed. But what does he have to do? I mean, he pitched his guts out in game six of the World Series in Houston and he almost had his ankle messed up doing it and he pitched his guts out and then he pitched great against the Dodgers on Tuesday We'll just keep seeing how Max Freed continues to climb. And I think he's going to continue to prove national pundits wrong. Max Freed is a really talented pitcher. Those of us in Atlanta who know Max Freed and know the type of talent he is, he, he he is our horse. He is our bona fide ace. And so getting to watch Max pitch every fifth day is must-see TV. It really is. So keeping with the Braves talk here, we're going to talk about Dansby Swanson here for a sec. So Swanson's ice cold. And for the Braves, and he's really ice cold for the Braves right now offensively. I will give him some props. He made a nice diet. 
He made a nice catch late in the game. It was like an over-the-shoulder catch in the Dodger game on the 20th of April. It, it was a really nice grab late in the game. The Braves were kind of out of it, but just seeing him make that catch was pretty cool. And so I know they have an off day today on the 21st of April, but if it were me, I would give Dansby another day. I would have him sit out tomorrow night's game, assuming Austin Riley is back, and I'll get into why Austin Riley missed Wednesday's game here in a second. But it just looks like Dansby could use another couple days to really get his head right it looks to me like he's pressing i don't know if the contract is in his head this being a contract year or what but i'm not used to seeing dansby swanson struggle like this and as we have talked about before ad nauseum with dansby swanson when dansby's on his game he's using the entire field he is and he's particularly going to right field majority of the time and he's not trying to pull everything of late i just feel like dansby's dansby has been trying to pull everything and it's not good when he's just trying to pull when he's going to center when he's going to right and when he's occasionally pulling that's when Dansby is at his back. So hopefully Dansby can get it going here. Again, I would sit him out tomorrow night. Just give him another day to rest and then have him be good to go on Saturday. So now I'm going to jump over to why Austin Riley missed the game Wednesday. I want to congratulate... Austin Riley for welcoming his new son, Ethan Michael Riley, into the world. Riley should be good to go, hopefully tomorrow night against the Miami Marlins. If not tomorrow night, he should be back in the lineup on Saturday. Congratulations to the Riley family. It is always exciting to see a new a new bundle of joy come into the world. And I know Riley and his wife have to be just on cloud nine right now, um, for sure. I, I'm an uncle, and so I kind of know what that feeling is like when you get to see like a little bundle of joy for the first time and your 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 jaw drops and you're like wow like this is like in this like in my case I'm like, dude, this is my nephew. Like, that's really cool. So congratulations to the Riley family. Uh, a couple other brave nuggets I want to get into. Ronald Acuna Jr. is on his way back with the Gwinnett Stripers. He played DH and he played right field. So in his first game on Tuesday night on the 19th, he had a home run and doubled. And then on and then in yesterday's game on the 20th, he walked and scored a run and he stole, he stole a base too. So it looks like to me, we're starting to see Ronald Acuna Ronald Acuna Jr. really started to put it together. If it were me, I've heard different reports about what the Braves are going to do. If it were me, I want Acuna to just take his time and for him to be back and ready. The Gwinnett Stripers will be in Jacksonville to play the Jumbo Shrimp, who are the AAA affiliate of the Miami Marlins. I think that is really fitting that the Miami Marlins AAA team is the Jumbo Shrimp. Marlins and Shrimp just goes to show that the Marlins franchise is all about the undersea creatures as team. So that's kind of cool. So as I said, the Braves jump back into action on Friday night. The Miami Marlins make their first visit to Atlanta. This weekend, Kyle Wright gets the ball Friday night for the Braves. And I'm looking to see Kyle Wright but continue this good vibe that he's on. He really pitched well in his last start. He had nine strikeouts in San Diego. And I really look for Kyle to continue to continue to build and continue to be steady Eddie in the rotation. I know he's your number four guy, but I really like what we've been starting to see out of Kyle Wright. He's been doing a great job mixing his fastball and his off-speed stuff and commanding it for sure. We have Ian Anderson on Saturday and Bryce Elder on Sunday. So, so I like the Braves' chances this weekend against the Marlins for Miami. So, fortunately for the Braves, we don't have to deal with Sandy Alcantara, who's arguably their best pitcher. So, I'm glad we don't have to deal with Sandy Alcantara because he is a tough customer. So, that's going to wrap it up for our Atlanta Braves part of the show. Final part of the show this week, we're going to talk a little bit about the University of Georgia 
Georgia Bulldog baseball team. So Georgia lost painfully to Clemson on the 19th of April. Final was 8-4. to four. It's frustrating for Georgia to get swept by Clemson. I, I watched the very end of the game. It was just looked to me like Clemson was teeing off on Georgia's pitching. And so hopefully Georgia can get some good news on the pitching front. Oh, you guys wanted to hear about good news for Georgia on the pitching front? I do have that. So some good news. Jonathan Cannon, Georgia ace pitcher, is expected to pitch on Saturday at Alabama. And so getting Jonathan Cannon back to pitch on Saturday is huge. So Georgia's rotation looks like this. Friday night, you have Nolan Crisp, who I think has done a great job. I talked about his last start he had in the South Carolina game. He got rough. He got roughed up a little bit in the A&M in his start against A&M last weekend. And then now he gets to face Alabama. When you look at and then, as I said, you have Jonathan Cannon on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Georgia goes with Liam Sullivan, who I think is continuing to make big-time strides as well. So going back to Jonathan Cannon for just a second, I think getting Cannon back in the rotation for the Bulldogs is so big. But it, it just goes to show when you've got a horse like Jonathan Cannon, you you have an ace in the hole. You're like, okay, what we've got is our guy. And when our guy is on, he's untouchable. And so I look for Jonathan Cannon to, do, to go out there and give Georgia Georgia a huge leg up in the Saturday game at Alabama. When you look at this series between Georgia and Bama, the records are very similar. You look at you look at Georgia first. Georgia is 26 and 11 overall, 9 and 6 in the SEC. Bama, on the other hand, is 23 and 15, 8 and 7 in the SEC. Both teams are in the upper echelons of the East and of the East and Western divisions, respectively. This is a huge series for the Bulldogs, and going over to Alabama is not an easy place. For those of you that don't know, University of Alabama recently had a giant renovation over at their stadium Thomas or Sewell Thomas Stadium over there in Tuscaloosa I want to say it was all the way back in 2015 Bama is a really nice stadium they put a lot of money into it and the product shows Alabama's got a it's also the three it's also a big road test for Georgia because if you look at Georgia's upcoming schedule, what Georgia's got SEC wise, they've got at Bama this weekend and then they are at LSU the next weekend. So Bama and LSU in back to back weekends, that is why they say, guys, the SEC is the toughest baseball league in the land. Going over D Town, then going over to Alex Box. It's no picnic. So hopefully Georgia can get right on the road and find some good mojo on the road and get back to their winning ways. Because let me just say one last thing. Losing two out of three to AM at home was incredibly disappointing. I know Georgia's been dealing with injuries in the pitching department, but guys, when you're pitching, it's kind of up and down like Georgia is, or like it's been, I should say, until we get this news about Cannon. What I want to see is I want to see this Georgia offense really, really get its act together, start to put together big innings, because if they're able to put together big innings, be patient, play, just string four or five hits together, that way you don't have to rely on the home run ball as much, and it takes a lot of pressure off your pitcher. So hopefully Georgia can get back to their winning ways away from Athens for the next two weekends here in the toughest league in the land in the SEC. So before we get on out of here this week for this week's show, I want to tell you guys about fanforallseasons.com. It's our website. You can check out all our past episodes where this episode will be later this evening. And you can also check out our merchandise store where we have our t-shirts, our sweatshirts, and our hoodies. It's starting to warm up a little bit. It's starting to get more like spring. So if you guys are interested in t-shirts, we have them in short sleeve and long sleeve in a variety of colors. So check out the merchandise store at fanforallseasons.com. 
Seasons.com slash slash shop merch. Check it out and they'll get you squared away. So I guess that leaves one last bit of business. It's time to get a word from our sponsor. And Fan for All Seasons is brought to you in part by Georgia Smoke Barbecue. Authentic, original smoked barbecue catering. You can learn more at georgiasmoke.com. For myself, Jim and Joe, this has been another exciting installment of the Fan for All Seasons podcast and I'll talk to you guys next week. See ya!